Welcome to the Nerdoplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on them duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. The best always die first. And helping us out on the review for this one, it's our own personal social media, Nagi. It's Dave. I'd give my life to be dead. Sit back, relax, and grab your dumb, dumb bullets as we dive into Cemetery Man. De la morte, de la morte. Yeah, okay, this one's fucked up. <laughs> it's a really messed up movie. This is our second Rupert Everett movie, though, because he was Prince Charming. Yeah, from Shrek 2. Nuh-uh. And we'll see him one more time, I believe. Wow. <laughs> Stardust. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, shit. That falls in the purview. That absolutely does. I wasn't familiar with the timing on that one. But yes, that's going to be a fun one. I enjoy that movie and book very much. But Cemetery Man was released March 25th, 1994, directed by Michel Savoy. Savoy? I don't know. Some guy you've never heard of, starring Rupert Everett, <laughs> Francois Haj Larazzo, and Anna Falci. As she. Which I saw on the IMDb before I started watching, and I thought might be the kind of casual toss-off of uh, female characters in horror movies. But in this one, it actually is for a purpose. Same thing. I was like, wait, they didn't say her name, so I went into IMDb. They didn't even give her a name? That's pretty messed up. But got me. <laughs> they got uh, me good, too. Written by the writer of the comic series that this is based on, Tiziano Scalavi. I don't know. I'm not Italian. Let me know. And it is based on the Dylan Dog comic series. So it's not exactly a Dylan Dog's movie. There was one, but this is as close as you can get because the author of the original comic wrote this as well. That's great. This is closer than the regular Dylan Dog movie, from what I understand, to a Dylan Dog movie. Which I also loved. Dead of Night, Brandon Ralph. Yeah, we'll get into the Ralph of it all and the comic convergence, but I think I saw that one first. Had either of you seen or heard about this movie at all? No. no. This was a completely fresh watch for Jaboy. I really liked it, though. This movie is Dave's thing. Really caught me in the right way. The Dead Boy Scouts? That. There's a couple of children. We, we do find out that uh, Nyagi's girlfriend is a child. Well, so. that was bad. I did have... I'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> the tagline on the poster, which the poster does not pay the movie justice because they got Rupert Everett looking like a Hulk kind of guy. <laughs> the tag is zombies, guns, and sex. Oh, my. <laughs> this is the English release, and the English release came out much, much later. The American release, I should say. But this is the Italian release date was 94 and it was released elsewhere later because this one was an Italian film. Only some of the people seemingly spoke Italian in the movie, though. But I believe that might be a common occurrence in in these kinds of movies. Kind of like Sergio Leone's Spaghetti Westerns. Clint Eastwood was the lead in a lot of those. And he's no Italian. Rupert Everett wanted them to remake it Americanized. Some studios were interested, but only if Matt Dillon would be the titular character. Mm. Which is fitting, Matt Dillon Dog. Yes. This is not a Dylan Dog in this movie, though. It is a double D 
if you will, Delamorte Delamore, his last names, uh, which you find out later. But this is several double D's in this movie. <laughs> There's accurate. <laughs> There's a slew. Uh, but yes, it's not Dylan Dog per se, but it is Francesco Delamorte. The great bit, though, because he says his name means of death. Mm-hmm. And he said he'd change it if he could to Andre Delamorte. So he'd keep the of death part, just not the <laughs> not the Francesco part. Yeah, this movie's billed as a comedy. It really is like giving you all of the signals of a comedy. And there are things that are funny, but I don't know that any of the actual comedy lands. But maybe it was made for an Italian sensibility. I was mostly uncomfortable. Yes. I loved it the whole time. Mm-hmm start to finish i'm not saying i didn't enjoy it and i'm not a better man for having seen it right but it was definitely queasy feeling most of it yes it opens up with rupert everett in a towel doing a headshot and then going back to his phone call yeah right in it that's how the dylan dog issue number one starts with zombies yes we get some zombies and it's a title sequence and then i have spoiler alert we'll get to it but i had written down Jacob's Ladder scenario? Or should I say a St. Elsewhere scenario? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one? Yeah. Citizen Kane started with a snow globe. Yeah, so headshots a zombie right out of the gate, and then while he's burying said zombie to the help of his uh, unfortunate assistant, Nagi, he is then set upon by another zombie. And there was a tree over that zombie's grave, and it started moving, and my evil dead PTSD <laughs> intensified. <laughs> I was like, no, Francesco, get out of there. (laughs) Honestly, there are a couple of moments where I think there was a little bit of Evil Dead inspiration in a couple of these shots, to say the least. But the shots and the cinematography in this, I thought was really intense. All the visuals were really good in this one. The kills were very good. Lots of good exploding heads. and and I like that the zombies look like old Greg. Look up. Bailey's creaming. (laughs) (laughs) They they look like they're in a stage version because the makeup and stuff is a little bit overdone. Maybe the film just came out a little bit brighter than they intended, but it doesn't really detract from anything at all. The first zombies made me think that they were more like classical zombies because the one was just saying, which I wrote, eat cute. (laughs) They have zombies. They have varying levels of intelligence and abilities of speech. The premise of this movie is that Francesco is the caretaker of this cemetery in this town. Engineer. I'm not an engineer. After seven days, the people come back to life. They are zombies here known as returners. Unless they died of head trauma, we find out. Asterisks. It seemed like it has all of the zombie logic, and if he knows they're coming back and he doesn't want to have them come back, shouldn't he shoot them in the head as soon as they're interred? Yes. There's some logic stuff, especially when we get into the bike scene a little bit later, but (laughs) I think they have to have already come to again and then be killed because there was some pretty serious trauma we witnessed, Yeah, and those people also come back headless people is fine that logic later i believe mirrors some of my confusion with night of the creeps exactly the timing and everything the burying of a guy on his motorcycle yeah, I, that, that <laughs> really <laughs> lost me okay. when, he, when they came back and they were riding their bikes i was like what <laughs> we can let that come up logically yeah let's let that one simmer because that one's real good if you haven't watched this one yet oh boy <laughs> The logic all kind of disintegrates and it kind of thematically at a certain point, but that's the basic setup. He buries them, they come back, he kills them again. 
So all is going well. Him and Nagi, they're, they're vibing, they're drinking, they get some money. And then she arrives, a beautiful woman who is mourning the loss of her husband, who's being buried in the cemetery. And immediately following the service, Dylan Dog's like, How long has he been dead? Two weeks. <laughs> Thank goodness. And that is almost <laughs> verbatim. He does say she's the most beautiful living woman I have ever seen. Pretty grim specter to cast. So does that bring us to the porn parody? Because I had a name for this one. It could be Cemetery Gape. Doesn't rhyme as anything. Bauchica, uh-uh. Is that called Cemetery Gate? That's true. Ah, fuck. Penetrary Man. Okay, there you go. That's pretty good. Cementary Man. Uh, <laughs> and his guy name's Terry. I threw my brain off. Well, you know, circle back to it. We'll come back to you at the end of the episode. It's gone now. It's dead. Okay. It'll come back in seven days. <laughs> God willing, re- returner style, it will return. So this movie needs no porn parody. True. She shows some resistance. She's appalled that he would try to hit on her at her husband's funeral. She got done saying how great of a lover he is. And they keep turning to the gravestone. And he's just like this old dude. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good joke. <laughs> Which is a good bit. Two weeks later or seven days later, probably because her husband comes out of the ground but anyway i guess maybe he was dead a week already i don't know because she said he'd been dead for two weeks and he's like oh Oh, chill well like let's let's do it he takes her on a little run through the ossuary which is like a bone room which is very fitting i had to do a google for that and i was really upset yeah i found out what Uh, it was well she loved it yeah she loved it and he thinks it's totally chill that she's like sniffing stuff in there well, she's wearing like thousand dollar shoes and then just walks into the swampy bone room this is, my notes are bad. <laughs> it's, it says more like boner sanctuary. Mm. I don't know. Uh, and then it says not the only boning going on here. Obviously, I was giving myself options. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> she was like, it's like in my dreams when they started making out. Oh, yes. She with her veil still on and he with a red silk kerchief over his whole head. I dropped a painting that that scene was based on in our chat. The Lovers or something? Yeah. I believe it's called. Uh, but yeah, it's the one that looks to two people with bags on their heads making out. And that's, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much it. And mm-hmm. they make out for a long time and start one of the bad moments of cinematography. that They recreate a couple of different times, which is a low Michael Bay pan spin. I was a little woozy during several parts. I think that was purposeful. I was getting really sick later whenever it was that lady walking around him in a circle like continuously. I'm like, why is she doing this? Stop. I had to take a little break and walk away for a while. And then the bones started taking her clothes off, and she ran away. <laughs> uh, and stops at a fountain. And we get to see our first look at these little will-o'-wisps in Italian, as, as opposed to foxfire, they're referred to as a fool's fire. Here they are, little burning tennis balls on strings, <laughs> you can clearly see. That being said, I don't hate it. No, it looked pretty cool. It's the first and last time we see him, right? This whole little sequence is a little confusing. So they're in the ossuary. The camera is doing what I kind of like call these evil dead pans, zooming and zooming. And then she gets like inspired because she's been very resistant. She doesn't want anything to do with them. They go in the bone room. She gets all horned up. Then later she runs away and she's crying. The will-o'-wisps or whatever come over. And then again, it's almost like she's possessed and they start hooking up again. Yeah, I wrote banging on the husband's grave. And I think that that was cut from It Wasn't Me, Shaggy Song. (laughs) (laughs) Caught me banging on the gravesite. 
It wasn't me. But naked with them fairy lights. It wasn't me. She really dug the ossuary. It wasn't me. Husband was just buried. It wasn't me. He gave a bite on her shoulder. It wasn't me. Nagi watching through the window. It wasn't me. I forgot my pistol. It wasn't me. She died, I really do miss her. And then we get to watch Nagi eat spaghetti for the first time. <sighs> God, I could just never watch that guy eat. It would be too soon. When they're flirting before they start to really go at it. Anyway, we all end up here sooner or later, don't we? <laughs> I thought that was a really bold move in a cemetery. Well, it's true. Everybody dies. He says that a couple of times. Yeah, that, but that phrase comes up. In order to get into someone's skirt. In order to jump someone's bones. Indeed. Uh-huh. That's an odd line, I guess. Nagi eats a couple of different times, and it is revolting. Every single time. It is. The director loved it, though, because you get a lot of close-ups. You see my man's lips a ton. But yes, they are boning with some copious nudity. And in 2009, the horror website A Shot in the Head chose Anna Fauci's boobs from her nude scenes in this film as number one on their (laughs) list of the top ten boobs in horror (laughs) movies. Shouldn't it be the top two? I was wondering if this was going to come up. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, yeah, it had to because, you know, A Shot in the Head is pretty accredited source <laughs> yeah that's um that's a weird list to make mm-hmm. i just wrote boob fact that's a that's a weird list to curate and then tell people that you if you have that list that's fine someone's gonna get them clicks i guess but not a good look Anna Fauci is gorgeous in this and she is nude for a large portion of it if that's something you're into some 90s horror boobs, but her husband, he's... He's alive-ish. Loving it, but also hates it and has a a, um, a little res erection. Ah! <laughs> hey <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, he comes out of the ground, and Francesco sees him, kicks him away, then just bails on this girl, the love of his life. They'll never be apart, except when trouble comes, and then he's fucking out of here. He was trying to go get something to deal with it. Yeah, no, I get that. But I watched that scene like two times because he kicks him and then just leaves. And the guy walks right past him. The reason I watched it a few times is because there was a line there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. But also the zombie, and I couldn't tell if it was the zombie or not. So I had to go back. His mouth doesn't move. It's 80 yard in. And right before the zombie bites uh she he says that's life <laughs> yeah them's the brakes <laughs> and she gets bit and collapses but she's she has not died of the bite the bite did not kill her the doctor apparently says that she, she died of fright yeah and not a great diagnosis we need to get house to come on in and not a great doctor no. and check this out again very bad doctor bad doctors bad investigators he says this right after he's done getting caught grabbing a statue's boobs <laughs> <laughs> not a good doctor they mentioned that she was having sex and that has something to do with the fact that she died uh the sex and the fright and why he's not a suspect because he's been spreading rumors about himself that his wiener doesn't work <laughs> or that it's not there That he has no wiener. He's dickless. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. He says that he's impotent, but then also intimates that he has no peen. So, right. Lots of inconsistencies, but he has been spreading that rumor voluntarily, though. So the sheriff comes out or whatever and says, oh, she's dead. Um, And Francesco says, can I keep the body? They're like, yeah, sure. Freaking whatever. Pay the fees. It's all yours, you, you, you sicko. And they head into town, Nagi and 
King Francesco. In a harrowing scene, they meet the mayor, and Nagi meets the mayor's daughter. He pulls a fester. He does throw up on her. At least the fester one happened off screen. He has a lot in common with fester, actually. I really would have loved if this did, in fact, happen off screen. Yeah, me too. It was tough. And she doesn't give a shit. Her friend, boyfriend, whatever, bikes up and she just jumps right on. Claudio. Vomit covered and all. She says, he threw up on me. And what does he say there? I wrote, a new fact or a new fad? He threw up on me, Claudio. Oh, new fad. Like to go for a ride. I have no idea, but it didn't make any sense at all. There are a lot of nonsense lines throws around because she gets puked on. Claudio busts up with his bike. It's like, fuck it, baby, hop on. And she's like, I knew you'd understand. And then they go riding. It's an uneventful ride. It's a puke shirt joyride. And sounds like a folk punk album. Puke shirt joyride. This is the best bus accident since Night of the Creeps. Funny you should mention it, though. It is a good bus accident. This is, I think, maybe the best accident that has ever taken place in a movie because Claudio and the daughter, I don't know what her name is, they crash. She gets decapitated by the bus tires. Then the head is smashed. Her body is run over. Then the bus full of Boy Scouts and nuns goes over the cliff and everybody dies. (laughs) (laughs) Dave's thing. that... Is almost verbatim to the way they describe it in the next scene. Her head doesn't get crushed. It was one of the biker's heads that gets crushed. I don't know about that. No, that's her head. That's why her head is stitched up. I thought she got ran over over her chest or whatever. She does as well. Okay. She gets run over. Her head comes off and it's exploded. And then she is run over as well. Four motorcycles racing. The mayor's daughter is on one of them. Her head sliced right off. They had to sew it back on the body. The bikes crash into a bus loaded with scouts on the way back from a church sponsored outing. It has to be her because uh, her head is easily removed later as well. Then we meet the, well, this is the second time we meet the detective and he's got. Yes, the marshal. Just the craziest, like, it's exactly from Night of the Creeps that the detective having to, like, say, like, the sickest things to, like, make himself feel okay. Because he's seen some gross stuff. Mm -hmm. But his sense of gallows humor is just. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Slaughter of the innocents. And they were all so young. <laughs> they thought their life was ahead of them, but in fact it had already passed them by. He's so mean. The quips and the way he talks to Dylan and about these things is exceptional. Matched only by the sad Boy Scout song that they sing at the funeral. <laughs> It's so incredibly specific, and I love that they sing that. Then there's also drama over Claudio's body. A girl throws herself on the coffin. A new girl shows up. Yeah, and I am of the opinion that Claudio obviously loved the mayor's daughter better because he let her puke-covered hop onto his back (laughs) a bike ride. She was trying to single white female her way in. I agree with you. I think Claudia liked the mayor's daughter more. I mean, I don't know if that's intentional because of the the she of it all, but I could not tell them apart other than the freckles. The person who should be giving the real props here is the mortician who stitched the mayor's daughter back together because mm-hmm. they this open casket and so open, in fact, it's a glass casket. It's glass. 
Yes. A glasket. It's a glasket. A glasket. They managed to stitch her back together. This is where I was kind of starting to think, well, they know they're coming back. Why don't they shoot them first? But, you know, whatever. Also, Francesco takes so many showers in this movie, it's crazy. It's too many. He has a pretty dirty lifestyle. And the movie's so dirty, I wanted to shower after it, so. Yeah, I wanted to shower during it. Because we have to watch Nagi eat again. Oh, I see. After all my rewinding, I had to to go take a shower (laughs) to cool off. Yeah. And you also get to know that the mayor is a very bad guy because his daughter's dead. And he's just worried about how could she do this to him with elections coming up. He's able to spin it later. Thank goodness. I love the investigators. uh, That's an idea. It's certainly an idea. Do not like how Nagi looked at that corpse. No, Nagi. And then we watch him eat ice cream. Oh, boy, is that what that was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had Nagi as my hero until he looked at the corpse, and I was like, nah, I'm going to delete this. Yeah, Nagi's not <laughs> I mean, I'm going to delete this. He's not all there. Yes, that's pretty clear. Things aren't all exactly what they seem because the Boy Scouts and the nuns come back immediately. And um, Francesco says, you know, something to the effect of Nagi, they came back early or something along this line. So they're very caught off guard and not prepared for this. Pretty good fight. Some of these Boy Scout kills are very good. Perfect. I could watch him shoot Boy Scouts in the head all day. Yeah. Oh, the way. The headshots are are nice. All the kills are good. All the practical effects, like Dave said, are pretty incredible. The best design in the whole movie does happen now because Claudio's uh, mournful lover is crying on his grave when, for some reason, he explodes from the grave as like a Hellraiser version of his former self. On his motorcycle, so they must have buried him. With his helmet still on. And what I was alluding to before is that they buried the axe murderer with his axe in Night of the Creeps. I'm like, why would you do that? It seems like a mistake. It does, but he really liked that bike, so it made sense to bury him on it. I guess. With the key and the ignition. At this point is where I'm really starting to wonder, is this reliable narration? Because Mm -hmm. things start to get a little bit more fantastical. I was bought in on the premise, and now when the dirt bike jumps out, I'm like, okay, what the fuck's going on here? Right before the dirt bike jumps out, there's sort of like an earthquake action going on, and I, I, got, a, I got a real laugh. The chick's sticking around for Claudio to rise from the dead, and Francesco yells, quick, get the fuck over here, quick! <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he's so calm the whole entire movie, so like whenever he yelled, I was like, <laughs> was the bike a dead bike, and that's why it worked in seven days? I don't know. Well, it hadn't been seven days. It's just happened. The rules are all coming undone here. Maybe it was because there was so much dead at one time that it like supercharged. Yeah, perhaps. Him on his motorcycle, Uh I thought, you know, he's going to get out and he's going to like start spreading this disease all over the place or something. And uh, he doesn't get very far off the prop. So I'm thinking, you know, similar to what you said about it all being in a snow globe. I'm wondering if they have a much smaller version of this snow globe they can't even get off of the grounds. Oh, uh, perhaps. You never see any zombies off the grounds. They go to a different part of the cemetery when Francesco finds them, and you get the impression that they're having sex, but when you get closer, he's just chewing on her arm, and she says, No, please don't. He's only eating Which is proof that she really did love Claudio. She was yeah. willing yeah. to let his zombified ass eat her. Mind your business. I shall beat my whoever I please. It was really kind of disturbing, honestly. It was grim. It seems like she had already been kind of lost to the cemetery magic at this point. So this is the first time where Francesco breaks his own rules. He shoots 
the biker boy, the bullet ricochets and also kills the girl. Which is a great line here. The living dead and the dying living are all the same, cut from the same cloth. But disposing of dead people is a public service, whereas you're in all sorts of trouble if you kill someone when they're still alive. (laughs) I was thinking now the plot is going to hinge around this and this is going to be how the story resolves him trying to make amends for killing this innocent uh, no that's not the case he throws her in this grave back with her boyfriend because he says he's sentimental and that's it never comes up again nope the other main through line joke is whatever he can kill whoever he wants and it doesn't seem to matter but there's also a logic problem that did affect me like he was able to start up his bike and cause an earthquake and get out of this grave, but the mayor's daughter was not able to get out of that glass casket without help. Her head wasn't attached to her body, and her body did no longer listen to what her head wanted it to do. Maybe. Okay. Because Nagi did take the head off. Obviously, hey, it's pretty loosey-goose here. Yeah. Because at this point, Nagi goes in, and he gets the head of the mayor's daughter out, and it like scoots backwards whenever he's going to give her a kiss. And I'm like, I don't know if that's something the head could do, but... It fucking walks later. It does walk. It walks. It flies. That head is powerful. It's a uh, powerful it's head. It's also fucking troubling is what it is. It really is, is disturbing. I wrote, the head being able to move is challenging, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a great word for it. Are either of you guys uh, Doctor Who fans? The face of Dave is the face of Bo. Ah, okay. Yes. Well, David Tennant, the ELO episode, it's like one of the fat aliens, oh, and oh. They, they sing Mr. Uh, Blue Sky. Yes. So like they have like a band. Yeah. David Tennant's not really in that episode that much, if I remember correctly. There's like that group of people looking for the doctor. Is that that episode? Well, yes, yes, yes. Nerds. <laughs> well, I bring it up because, Sam, I think you might be interested in this. Moaning Myrtle is in this episode. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and at the That's very end of the episode, she is being melted. <laughs> it's just... Melting Myrtle. Into the concrete, right? <laughs> and as she's melting, the doctor is able to stabilize her melting molecules or wherever as she's a face in a concrete slab on the ground. But they take the slab off and she's still a person and they do a little epilogue where she mentions that her and her boyfriend, who are on the episode together, still have a love life. Mm -hmm. It's actually even more concrete than it was before. (laughs) Mr. Blue Sky. (laughs) Mr. Blue. That is probably the most troubling of episodes for me. I'm not a big fan of uh, the side episodes. The Doctor is a terrible trickster god yes and that he's is done this many times on many occasions. i would think that would just cement your fandom oh <laughs> thank you thank you sam nerdplexy.com <laughs> okay so yes it's a lot of troubling head stuff there's a weird skull construction gag where nagi's putting together a skull and then francesco's like that's too hard no one could ever do it yeah, he already had it together and he took it apart before Francesco got back in the room. I don't know, it was like a skull Rubik's Cube or something because it's like cut out. It's like a 3D puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> it is a skull. Maybe they, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. nothing. Why would you put that in there? It never comes back up. That's a lot of this movie is like, here's a thing. It's gone. The lady who gets killed by her husband she, towards the beginning of the movie. 
she comes back as one of the zombies. Um, but a while back, before they went to meet the mayor in the first place, he thinks she's coming back to life, so he shoots her in the head. But it turns out he just shoots her in the head. She wasn't dead at all. He's the reason why she's dead. So that's his first kill of the movie. But now she's coming back as a returner, and she's making him think she wants to get freaky with him. But she bites his neck, and Nagi comes from behind with a big old spade and smashes her head pretty good. His weapon of choice, yeah, sharpened spade. The only reason I mention this is because Francesco is in... It's weird that they have Francesco and Franco in this movie, so it's like really confusing. Della Morte is in the shower yet again, really hoping that that bite doesn't make him turn into one of those zombies because Nagi wouldn't have the heart to kill him. And as he's coming out of the shower, Nagi's already pointing at like a sharpened yeah. stick at his yeah, head, like ready to kill him right then. He's about to kill him. Yes, it's very good. When Shira reappears and they have like a little corpse makeout, that was, I think, a really great moment. That's probably what you'll see if you Google the image of her dressed in like robes and leaves and stuff. Very cool visuals. Very gross makeout session. She bites his nip. She bites his nip. There is a specter of the Grim Reaper comes to visit Francesco. <laughs> I love this scene. I fucking love it. Stop killing the dead. So good. I love that line. So good. It's a puppet. It looks like shit. And it is amazing. It convinces him that he should just kill them ahead of time before they're dead. Kill the living. Which the logic is not great because then they'll come back and he'll have to kill them again. I don't know. Yeah. That's death. Yeah. The I, I, for you, you. I would think. Right. There's a little dream sequence. But was it? Was it a dream sequence? Because he dreams of killing all like the youths that live in town and then they all turn up dead. The cops want Nagi for the crime, but are interrupted because the mayor is there to dig up his dead daughter so he could put her on a poster and win the election. But whoops a dups, that head's already gone, baby gone. And the photographer is just so blasé about it, just taking all kinds of pictures. <laughs> this is a scoop for him. But yes, the mayor is a terrible, terrible person, so obviously he gets killed. By his own daughter. By his own daughter's head. She, she bites him, and Francesco shoots the head off and the dummy that lands on the ground is priceless it is on par with the dummy head from <laughs> yet again night of the creeps the bus driver the dummy bus driver mm -hmm. the dummy is very good but the mayor dies because the head doesn't float he dies from blood loss no big deal the marshal's there and he's like well yeah this is pretty cut and dry uh <laughs> francesco says the dental records won't match so mbd while Nagi is cradling the disembodied head from the mayor's daughter's casket, no problem for that. We're moving on. The mayor comes back really fast. Starts climbing shit. Tries to get out. But he doesn't get out. That's my point. Not before um, Francesco meets the new mayor and the new mayor's assistant, who is she. I was kind of losing in here. I'm like, is that the same person? And then when we see her again, then I was like, okay, but... The mayor tries to leave. He gets shot. He falls off the, the roof. And the mayor's assistant wants to get with Francesco, but there's just one little complication, one little sticky wicket. She's dickophobic. She's afraid of peens. <laughs> Deathly afraid of peens. So only one thing to do. I have the same problem. Cut off your peen. You're afraid of your own peen? <laughs> yeah. I, he, she <laughs> likes men, but their manhood terrifies her, is what she says. She goes into his domicile and immediately he points a gun at her and she passes out. And then he starts like dumping water into her mouth while she's passed out. And I really don't think that's... That was a mistake. I don't think that's scientifically sound. 
I've heard of smelling salts, but not like trying to drown them in their sleep. She was dripping wet. She was, it was like a full 16 ounces of water. So they're making out and stuff, and Nagi's watching, eating spaghetti again. Ugh. Disgusting. But he decides he's in love with this girl, and he wants to get married, and nothing is going to stop him from doing so. So her fear of his manhood, he's going to go to that old terrible doctor and try to have his penis cut off with like shears, like garden shears. This movie does not let up in its insanity for one second, but he gets spread Eagle in the hospital bed because he, well, first of all, the doctor says, I'm not going to be intimidated in my own surgery. That waiting room there is full of people with good, honest diseases. He's like, I'll pay you. And he's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) So he spreads his legs and the doctor comes up with a shear and then he drops the shears and he comes up with this gigantic comical hypodermic needle. And he's like, no, please don't make me cut it off. I can't do it right now. But if you let me inject this into you, it'll be like you don't have one. For a whole month. For a whole month, which I thought would matter, didn't really. Didn't matter, no. No. It just set up a line later. It was just a way for them to trick you into thinking he's going to get his penis cut off. So you're like, oh, God, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then he doesn't do it. And then, okay. But it sets up the line later that the medicine didn't work. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering if these are all anecdotes or things that happen in the comic at large or if these are just all original gags. I'm not familiar enough to to know exactly. But if you know. I only read the first couple issues and the only through line is that there are zombies in the first one. Yeah, that seems to be pretty much the only real connection that one of the things he deals with. And that is written by the guy. That's about it. It has the same vibe, dark humor thing to it, too. Yeah, big big injection. It it seems as though it's right down the the urethra or something here. Right down the barrel. (laughs) Right down the barrel. There's some lining up to do and a lot of screaming. And the mayor's assistant comes to see him. He's feeling better. He's well recovered. And she loves him. Uh, and she's over the she's over her ween fear mm-hmm, because mayor raped me. Wait, I liked it. This means I'm cured. I don't have a phobia anymore. It's terrible. I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, what was the message that Scalvi was trying to get out here? You know what I mean? Like, I wrote here. WTF am I doing with my time? <laughs> <laughs> this is the only part of the movie where I was like, this is not my favorite movie right now. So there's that thing. She's back with the mayor and that's all it. He's feeling down. He goes drinking and uh, gives two college girls a lift home. One of them is she. They hook up. And as he's leaving, he finds out that they are actually a working girl and that he's going to have to pay for having sex. So he goes back in the room and burns them alive. With like a kerosene space heater. Yeah. At this point. We're at American psycho levels of like unnoted violence because he just starts shooting everybody mm-hmm. with a six shooter and n- no one cares. It drives me crazy. Right. We come to find out that Franco, who we didn't even mention in this episode because it's such a small part, which is like a guy who works in some shop legal office or something where they have they keep forms that he could fill out. His only friend that he's only not friend. sure actually exists. Yeah, he spent a long time on the phone with him. But Franco here has killed his wife and child and has taken the credit, as uh, Francesco calls it, for his kills in these three college girl murders. And he goes to see Franco in the hospital because he drank a whole bottle of iodine trying to kill himself. And he's in a coma and he says, you look better the last time I was on the phone with you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good good joke. It is. 
Some decent which, which lines. In, in, which re- reminds me, the first comic of Dylan Dog. Dylan Dog's assistant is Groucho Marx. And that's got like a lot of the same. Some of these jokes are like, obviously, this dude's a huge Groucho Marx fan. So a nun comes in to check on him. Francesco shoots her in the head. A doctor comes in and says, what's the nun doing? And he says, she's praying. And then <laughs> shoots the doctor in the head. And then a nurse comes in and she says, what happened? And he said, they killed each other. It was a revenge thing. And then he shoots her in, and then he shoots her in the head. All this leading up to him leaving and going down a stairwell and going up the other side of the stairwell is the detective saying, There's another maniac on the loose. He's on the fourth floor killing people. He already shot three. And he sees that Francesco has a gun and he's like, You got a gun. That's good. Now you can defend yourself. <laughs> you can defend yourself. yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all of this just for that one joke is all I could tell. He even tells him, like, it's me. I'm the one who did it. And he's like, oh, you're crazy. Get out of here. Falls on deaf ears. And it's just kind of more of that. He can't be held accountable for his actions, apparently. So he decides to take a road trip to see the rest of the world. This is a very cool sequence when they leave and they're driving. And this is the farthest they've ever gone. You know, it's like they're leaving the Shire and they go finally reach this tunnel and they drive through the tunnel and they get through the tunnel and slam on the brakes. Nagi hits his head, but uh, they're all out of road. Yeah, that was a wild looking shot too with the collapse road. It just looked really... Yeah, they're driving through the Italian uh, mountains. Uh, they have Alps in, in Italy or those Italian Alps? Big ass mountains, I don't know. As far as I'm going to say is yes, the Italian Alps. I don't know anything about geography. <laughs> well, it looks very cool. They drive through the tunnel. It's all shot very well. And it starts snowing and Dylan's about to shoot Nagi because he thinks he's going to come back to life. They have Italian Alps. Thank you. And it turns out he's not dead. And Nagi throws the gun over the new cliff. Uh, you know, this is the whole world. That's all there is. Nagi now can speak in perfect English and says he wants to go home. And Francesco says, yeah. And that's it. Which is, we didn't say what Nagi has been able to say this whole time. Sounds, basically. It's a Hodor thing. I also yeah. kind of thought Nagi did die. And he came back, Returner style, better off dead, able to talk and everything. Maybe. I mean, we only ever saw anyone come back in the graveyard. So it's hard to say. That's true, but he has also been around that graveyard for so long. I kind of thought. The rules are very loosey-goosey at this point. The world only exists inside of this snow globe, apparently. Yeah. He did go limp. People die from a lot of weird things. Mm -hmm. So I think narrative kills people a lot of the time in this world. What seems Dylan is the focus. It's a weird movie. It's strange. There's a moment about an hour in where all of these zombies are up and the shot pans away. And it's just Francesco sitting in his room shooting zombies out the door. And it's like mm-hmm. a great moment. And I thought that was it. Roll credits. And then I, I looked at the time and there was still 45 minutes left. <laughs> so where Nagi is just shuttling in Boy Scouts. Yeah. And he's just sitting there shooting one after the other. Just uh, just one Boy Scout at a time or. That's it. That, Francesco kills him and then Nagi's like just dragging him away. It's a great scene. I think that should have been the end of the movie. Because that's mm-hmm. where like the movie that is not a hallucination kind of ends. I thought this movie could have been done in like six minute episodes because almost nothing is connected to anything. So if you do an episode where he meets this girl, she comes back, he kills her by accident, and she comes back as a return or whatever. That's one episode. One episode about the mayor's daughter, an episode about 
his friend Franco killing his wife. And you know, there's like so many disjointed things. And obviously that's by design or probably why they did the ending the way that they did by just showing the snow globe, just saying like, this is just his own machination. It's like a lot of dream logic stuff going on. Very Lynchian, very, you know, Twin Peaksy kind of vibes. I think he's, I think the director is pulling from a lot of sources. And you're right, it does read like they took a season of a TV show and made it all into the movie, except they didn't cut a thing. They left it all in. Right. And and Lynchian, uh, as I always say, there's a great four hour video about the Twin Peaks series. But just like this is all in a snow, snow globe, the theory in, in that is that all of Twin Peaks is just a TV show. That four hours went down smooth. I recommend that video. <laughs> <laughs> That was like, yeah, you guys, that was right in the lockdown. You guys <laughs> are into that. If you have a hundred or so hours to watch Twin Peaks, you got four more to have somebody explain to you what they think it means. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, let me tell you what all this comic business means. Send the comic virgins. We haven't had one of those in a long time. It's been a while. So, one of the uh, alternate versions when this one was released in Spain, I don't know if you guys caught this, was that this is my, my ex is a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So very good. This comic is quite popular. Dylan Dog. It's not uh, very well heard of, but it is known among comic circles here in the U.S. But in Italy, this thing is a banger. And it was released in October of 1986. It has... 409 issues and it's still running today the writer is the same as the writer of the movie tizano scalavi it is the number two of all comic series in italy behind another series named tex so in dylan dog itself he's more of a constantine figure even more so that he's based out of london but as uh, sam mentioned his sidekick is Groucho Marx. I guess it was an impersonator who did the bit for so long. He has become Groucho Marx. Pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. But it is uh, was published in the U.S. Uh, under Dark Horse, and they kind of Americanized it later. I think uh, Sam and I both read the same couple of issues. They are black and white. The art is really stunning. It was kind of a fun read to click through. It's more of like I, I kind of just kind of perused the art and got the basic details because we're, you know, clicking through. But it's also translations, too. So it's a little sticky in some places in these early mm -hmm. ones. But I really like the vibe. I thought this style was um pretty cool. And the weird humor of the movie and the comic are both is both strange. Like Sam said, it's this is some Marx Brothers level gaggery. Yep. There's some Ghostbusters references in that first one. Dylan Dog is a reincarnated nightmare investigator. He plays clarinet whenever he needs to think. In the first little series, the main woman's husband was doing research with a Dr. Zabaris, which is an anagram of Abraxas, the devil. It's like, <laughs> that's like crazy stuff. Um, well, he's exploded an exploding clarinet case. I really enjoyed. It's a very quirky black comedy comic series. And if you like that, you like this. Sam mentioned an American version of a, this movie. There was rumors to be a sequel to Cemetery Man or Della Morte Della More, but none ever came about. But a American movie was made with Brandon Routh of Superman Returns fame. I absolutely loved Dylan Dog Dead of Night. 
I thought it was really funny, but it, it just got panned. It just didn't go anywhere. I think it was too weird at the time when it came out. From what I recall, it was kind of a uh, kind of like a comedy action, yeah, kind of thing. Yep, oh. joke dense action. Yeah. Oh, okay. A real snarky one. I don't remember it. I, I'm. I think I will give it a look because I'm pretty sure I saw it. Does it come out in our purview? No, it's a. Uh, I, I checked on it. That is that is outside of our list, but I I think I am going to check that out. Also, there is a uh, a couple of different runs. There's a Dark Horse, and I think Epic Comics is now running Dylan Dog. If you want to check that, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Hoopla a, a peek and see if I can uh, scrounge anything up there as well. It's not on there. There's more nefarious sites, or from the library, from the source itself, you can get some trades. Hmm. Well. The comic is well received. The movie, financially, not so much. This one was uh, budgeted at $4 million. Really? It was released. that low of a budget? Yeah. I think that's about right. That's kind of like horror movies are, are pretty cheap to make, even with all that kind of prosthesis and things like that. You keep your costs pretty low. It's only a couple of locations. And didn't quite get that back. From what I saw, the absolute gross on this movie while it was in theaters was $254,000. That explains why I never heard of it. Yeah. It was also shot in full screen. It's really strange. Well, yeah, this is an uh, Italian cinema number, and and that might have something to do with the cameras that they had. There's a lot of not steady cam work, that's for sure. The shakiest shit work. (laughs) But there's a lot of free-moving cameras and stuff, so... I think that they spent as much money on the special effects as they possibly could. This one is well regarded in the cult film circles, pretty well regarded on the internet and by critics as well. Rotten Tomatoes, the Tomatometer, 61%. Audience score, 78%. That's wild for a horror comedy, especially. I think this one is popular with the people that would find and go looking for it. So if you're looking for this movie, I think you're going to like it. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, like the Google user search mm-hmm. obviously is going to skew towards people who want to look up <laughs> Della Morte, Della More. Right. If you're looking that up already, you probably already like it or are interested. Black comedies always do pretty badly. Death to Smoochie's Robin Williams. And I, I thought everyone loved this movie, but it got a 42% on the tomato meter and a 66% audience score. So Cemetery Man did better. Uh, And the critics' consensus on Cemetery Man on uh, Rotten Tomatoes is Cemetery Man will frustrate viewers seeking narrative cohesion or coherence, but this surreal blend of humor and horror should satisfy B-movie fans in the mood for quirk. And I agree. Yeah. Gabe from The Office would have loved this movie. Oh, certainly. Gabe from The Office thinks this is mainstream (laughs) stuff. The visuals are certainly the hero of this film. Um, So let's talk about who our heroes were. In our favorite segment, it's Who's Your Hero? Who's Your Villain? I'll get started. My hero is the mayor. He knows that the town has a problem, that if they all knew about it, everyone would go crazy. He found two... You're talking about the new mayor? No, I'm talking old school first mayor. That's the one who said that. Old mayor. No, first mayor knew it was a problem. That's why Francesco is there. He hired two people who he knew would keep it quiet and keep it contained and instead of letting the town go nuts, knowing that if you bury someone here seven days later, they're coming back. He knew what he had to do, and he pulled the trigger. This is the opposite of Blank Man's mayor, who was bumbling until he blew up. This guy knew what he was doing. Yeah, he was digging up his dead daughter to take pictures of her. Nobody could have foresaw a floating head. 
he's maybe the worst character in this thing. And that's so I'm going to just like we always do go right to my villain, right. and, uh, which is which is the mayor because he's bad. He's bad, Dave. Yeah, he's bad by every metric. He's bad. But every mayor is saving the community from being afraid of zombies. I don't even know that the first mayor knew about this. No, he definitely did. I don't recall. Well, I'm going to piggyback off that and talk about my hero. And my hero was that fucking Death's puppet. That Death's head puppet. It's very good. That's my guy. <laughs> He's got good arms. He's made of leave ashes. He's got a very cool voice and a big old scythe. That's my hero. My hero is, and we didn't mention her even at all because we sort of came through this one, is a lovely old lady who was the best customer of the cemetery. I can't remember her name, but yeah, she, nothing. she lives and dies through the course of the movie, and she's just very nice to Nagi and Francisco. Just a gentle old woman, no idea what she does, but she keeps calling Francisco an engineer, and he does not like and that. And she knew people came back. Yes, Miss uh, Miss Italian name lady. Miss Italian yes. name lady. I knew that was I. It was this. It was on the tip of my tongue. The best scene in the movie, though, is easily when she has these two little little portrait cameo of her in modern day and her when she was young, and she asks Francesca which one should she use, and he says both. And I thought that was great. That's like the save the cat moment. That's like the most human best character beat he has. But she is great. All right. You guys go ahead with villains because I'm I'm positive you're probably not going to have mine. My villain is Nagi. He was originally going to be my hero, but then he wanted to keep the mayor's daughter's head to do things too. And then he ate saucy pasta with his hands and I hated to see it. Banana pasta. It still creeped me out. It's enough to make him a villain. I can dig that. The fact that he digs up to just take the head also is pretty... Uh... Yeah, he just cracks the top and he just picks up the head. So yeah. It's definitely troubling, to say the least. He's not, Indeed. he's not, nobody is, nobody doesn't have blood on their hands in this movie, though. That's correct. Everybody is, everybody is equally the worst. I had a hard time liking anybody, which is why I had to pick. I was either going to be the puppet or the old lady. So they're the only ones who, in my eyes, basically did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. Death is death. Old lady's old lady. Yes. My villain is whoever came up with the last 45 minutes of this movie because I guarantee you that scene an hour and in they thought that was going to be a whole movie and it only got to an hour because all that other bullshit is bad and and wrong after she comes back and then what's name kills her that should be the end of the movie that's your final scene she comes back again he loves her but it's it's too much and they die there's the realization that he actually is the reason she's dead because he shot her in the head while she was still alive yes and that's you know roll credits I don't know. I liked his slip into insanity is, is what I took the last 45 minutes of this movie. That is true and what is happening, but it does not at any point feel earned at all. They're doing all these things and there's nothing like narratively driving. They didn't do any of the homework to set up that mental collapse for me, at least, because I could see like, OK, this is when well, he kills the girl accidentally that's like the start of his mental collapse but the tone i don't know well let's bring it back around because you had said jacob's ladder so hear me out and this is just my theory based on one watch through but where you say the movie should end i agree and i thought so as well and he got bit there the bite yeah 
to no fanfare whatsoever. So I'm thinking the last 45 minutes was just his brain deteriorating and we're watching from his point of view. That's how I took it. Because now, now he keeps seeing this woman, the same woman in other people. And like he's dying. That bite is killing him. If he's not already mm-hmm. just on his deathbed imagining everything, that is the driving engine for what he does for the remainder of the movie. That does make sense. I like that. I would have liked one more scene because the is he dreaming, is he doing the killing? If you could have maybe drug that out for one more sequence or something, I don't know. It just didn't really land with me. And I felt like it was just like bits. The screen pulls out and there's a street urchin holding the snow globe. And he looks up to an open window and there's Scrooge. He says, what day is it? And the boy says, why, it's Christmas Day. (laughs) It's in the greater Scrooge-averse. I wonder if there are deleted scenes, if there's like a fan edit of this out there. No. (laughs) Everything they filmed is in this movie. Every scrap. Every second of footage is in there somewhere. I like this movie a lot, but it does feel like there are holes, like actual like cut. Oh, there are. That doesn't make sense. Then they go together, but it's not cut. It's just that's how they... They filmed, they did, they stopped filming for the day, they filmed, and they put it together. I think they just didn't have one whole idea. They had a bunch of vignette ideas, and they put them all in one movie, and then determined that this Francisco Della Morte is the through line for all of these things. Instead of the six-minute episode idea, it could have been more like Creepshow. Three separate 30-minute things with little tiny segue bridges that could have put them together, and it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, I think this is kind of some schlock that they were throwing up. Maybe the script was different. Maybe there was more. Maybe it's based on a novel. So the the original novel may have all these things and maybe that him losing his mind. But this, yeah, this just seems kind of. You know how sometimes sports teams, they get one Uh all-star and they say, you know, we're rebuilding and we're going to build around this one guy. I feel like this movie, they got a really cool practical special effects guy. And they were like, (laughs) what can we do to showcase your cool practical effects? I want to see some burning tennis balls. I want to see some kids' heads get popped. I need to see a motorcycle come out of the ground. And the guy who comes out, it's got, you know, everybody's got gnarly tree stuff coming out of their heads. That's that's like a, that's the thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they just got their all-star and they just built around him. That could be. They're like, okay, now, now let's get the Dylan dog guy. He can write something gruesome. I know that one of the uh, under things that, that you mentioned, the tree roots, that was supposed to be why the zombies were coming back was these um, tree roots were growing into the graves and that was imparting them with some form of life. That's why the, I believe the ladies all covered with leaves and shit. But that is yet again, it's just another plot line. If they could have picked one of these plot lines and just done it, I think movie just be better overall but would you guys recommend people check this movie out flaws and all Mm, not to most people i have to know you pretty well and know your sensibilities or if someone were to say like you know what i really like evil dead one way better than evil dead two evil dead two was too campy and funny (laughs) (laughs) i i need it to be more gross and visceral and i needed to feel a severe sense of melancholy while i watch people get murdered And I would say, yeah, this is the one. Watch this one. None of these movies did I not like so far in this show. I mean, Dave, ask me if I didn't like any of these movies. Did you dislike any of these movies? Cool World. But besides that, any one of these I was happy having seen. Yeah. So Nemo? You know, 
No, actually, so Nemo and Cool World. That whole block, that was a very dark time for me. The animated block? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, no, but I, I would say, like, yeah, you have to know the person before you could possibly recommend this to them. I would say if you have a friend who, like, watches cult movies and says, why don't you come over, we're going to watch three cult movies and get drunk, this could be the middle one. This isn't your starter. It's not your ender. If someone said, Sam, I know a movie that you would absolutely love. It's tailor-made for you. You have to check out Cemetery Man. I would have to rethink every vibe I was putting out. <laughs> every, like, what did I say to this person to make them think that I would that this would be the one for me? But I enjoy the cinematography most. I mean, some of these shots are just, like, borderline, legitimately, art. You're right. If you like horror movies, if you like good bad movies if you are a gabe type i think this is for you i think a casual horror fan is not into this i think you really need to like schlocky stuff if you jam on the horror movie selection of amazon prime video like i do <laughs> then you should absolutely check this yeah. out like <laughs> yeah i could dig that their collection is very specific it's very I think a How Did This Get Made fan honestly runs and curates their videos because there's a lot of crossover there. If you're a Sleepaway Camp fan, give this one a look. Okay, that's good. If someone says you ought to check out Sleepaway Camp, I could say, well, you should check out Cemetery Man. Yeah, check out Cemetery Man. That's pretty good. Analog. Watch the first hour, then turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the first hour or the last 45 minutes. Together, it's tough. <laughs> Honestly, if you saw Dylan Dog Dead of Night and like that, absolutely don't check this one out. Fucking skip this shit. Yeah, I'm probably in the minority of people who like both of these movies. Dylan Dog Dead of Night and Cemetery Man. Yeah, I'm with Sam though. I like pretty much everything. This one drug a little long for me, but it was well worth the experience. There was 40 minutes of a great movie in this movie. There's really only yes. one scene that I'll makes it that. so this isn't in my October roundup like Dr. Giggles is now. It's just that this is ripe for a fan edit. <laughs> yeah, this, I agree. I think there is stuff that they could remove and make it 45 minutes long and make it kind of a perfect horror episode. A great Tales from the Crypt episode or something like that, yeah. Yes. It certainly was an experience, and we uh, hope you've enjoyed your experience listening to us talk about Cemetery Man. If you did, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. A very special thank you to the cast and crew of Cemetery Man for making this movie happen. Very cool. Special thanks also to Steve and Megan uh, for being uh, monthly subscribers. Head on over to Nerdaplexy. Dot com to sign up for that yourself. Let us know what you thought about Cemetery Man. Would you suggest this? Is this the kind of movie for you? Let us know at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or tweet at us at nerdaplexy pod on Twitter where you can uh, say hello today. Yeah, hit me up at the face of Dave or at nerdaplexy pod and let me know what your, your favorite cult classic is because this, this movie definitely is one that I, I'm glad I have seen. I don't know if I'll watch it again, but I'm glad I've seen it. So let me know what your favorite just real real odd duck cult classic movie is. Yes, chop your malls our way and uh, you can hit me up. Uh, what's your favorite Amazon horror movie? <laughs> at pgh underscore read sam's at pgh underscore svh stick around next time for the comic book book of the month club 
Moon Knight, and we'll also be discussing what movie we'll be checking out as well. But until we meet again, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. When it gets cold, does uh, yours shoot to the right or the left? <laughs> Down, wishes the right is cold. It's good enough for me.